I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. What's up? Well, this is the last episode of 2022. Yeah. And I'm just so proud to say that we're still standing here. We're really fortunate to have taken on a sound editor. So I hope you are enjoying the sound in your ear holes. (laughs) Ear holes is really caught on. So Alex is shaking her head, but (laughs) I say it a lot. It's gross, but also it's... It's reality. That we use. Yeah. It's not going (laughs) away anytime soon. But... You know, January, we love to think back and I'm not a huge like set my New Year's intentions. I'm more of a reflector person of the year. So I'm going to take this moment to kind of reflect. I obviously look forward. I told you guys a couple times back that at the beginning of a school year is often when I set goals and my birthday, because that's how I see years in my own world. Yeah. So I'm just so happy and fortunate and grateful to be in a city that I've chosenly wanted to be in. It's been a lot of personal growth. There has been some adversities along the way, but the good is definitely outweighing the bad. I am really happy of my dating life. I feel like I am on track. And just welcoming good energy and manifesting the things that I really want to welcome and grow into in my life. Yeah, it just feels like a nice place to be in. Now that COVID is kind of on the out skis, it's been nice to jump on a few planes and go and travel in this 2022 year. Yeah, just feeling, I'm feeling really blessed. I still hate Canadian winter. Just want to put that out there forever and always. Hate you winter. You can go away. But so far, so good. I think when you think about uprooting your life, it can be really, really scary. And I always think, you know, I always have a good time no matter wherever I am, but it's feeling like a great time right now. So I swap the good for the great and I'm happy to be here and enjoy it. So yeah. What about you, Alex? What's up? How are you going to summarize the 2022 for us? Well, I was thinking more of setting my sights forward, but I think 2022 was a a really good year for me. Like January to June time, I just looked back at my one second a day videos that I was taking. And that was just a really, really good time in my life. I thought you and I were just like living our best times together. We went to Mexico. We went to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a really, really fun time. And then I chose my 2022 word um, to be malleable, which is like capability of change without breaking. And I think I'm still bringing that energy into the next year because though I know that this uprooting is like exciting in many ways, like my days are good and I have lots of really great things going on. But I do find I'm still like sitting in the discomfort of change because there just is a lot of unknown still for me. And so... It's like, I like to like cautiously move forward when you're like, you change the good for the great. I feel a little bit like I left the great to find the great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just like in that kind of growing pain period still, because it just takes me a longer time. And I still feel like I have kind of my foot in a couple different places that I feel um, kind of groundless and I like steady in roots. So this Mm -hmm. is not necessarily a situation I thrive in when I think like long term. But the other thing I want people to know is like, 
I'm happy and I'm good and I'm looking after my mental health and I'm really, really happy to be like taking this year from me yeah, and explore like some of my passions to write a little bit more, to focus on the podcast, to put myself out there in a way that I haven't had to push myself for a lot of years. And so even though I know there's discomforting times, it's still good times. And so interested to see what this year brings. And I haven't picked a word for my year. I was just going to ask you that. (laughs) No, I don't know because I still, it's still very like malleable vibes, Mm. but yeah, I don't think it's as like, I don't know that I need strength or I don't know. I just think it's like being okay with being unsteady. Yeah. But I think I've done a really good job of that because I've really put myself in a situation where I don't thrive and I'm still afloat. Yes, I think in a way that is thriving to be like, you put yourself in a situation you're going to fail and you haven't. So you're kind of skipping ahead to my Christmas card for you. But I thought this would be a good time to tell you is that as your friend who's watched you and knows how uncomfortable you are when you're forced into like change or doing something completely different. I am so proud of you to have gone through this period. Like I think you have kind of tested yourself in so many ways. And yeah, it's not all easy and it never will be, whether you're in even the most perfect setting, it's never really perfect. I think that's an illusion, but I'm just so proud of you to even push yourself to do this. I think the change or the growth that you're actually going to see is later on, actually. It's like you're preparing yourself right now. Like you're still in that change process. I'm like sowing the seeds for the future. Yeah, like I think you become okay with this. And then that actually sets you up with the skill base you need for the next adventure, which is really cool. So I think don't overthink it, but I just know that we, we, as in me and all the podcast listeners are very proud of your efforts. So so, yeah, stay in there and also kind of jealous of your setup because who wants to go to work every day? Not me. (laughs) I know that's, that's the thing is like, I think me being like, instead of being like, it's amazing. Everyone would be like, whoa, you're having an amazing time. And I think I'm just giving like a really realistic picture of like, it's good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's going to get better. Yeah. And you're learning so much about yourself. Like, I know I didn't, you know what I mean? Done learning. No, never. No, I like to take a couple years off from learning about myself sometimes. (laughs) But this is not one of those years. (laughs) No, not at all. Well, We hope that when you are listening to our inspiring stories, that you're keeping yourself inspired and thinking how you're challenging yourself and how you're growing for the future. This week, we have our special guest. Who is she, Amy? I mean, no. (laughs) She is. She's Amy. (laughs) She she is Amy. this one. A new Amy. (laughs) Sporty Amy for the purposes of this podcast. And she's here to talk to us about kind of her role Working with athletes that are pro athletes or amateur athletes in like the Olympic and Paralympic worlds. And it's really interesting because I see her role as like a really kind of proactive way to support athletes, like focusing on the whole individual so they can perform the best they can and community to fall back on outside of athletics. Totally. So stay tuned for her all-encompassing way that she supports athletes here in Calgary. And that's What's Up. All right, this week we welcome Amy to the podcast. What? 
we already have an Amy. It's so confusing. <laughs> We're welcoming Amy Van Buskirk to the podcast. She is known as, well, maybe Sporty Amy. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sporty I can still Amy. be fabulous, Amy. So sure. Okay. We got Sporty <laughs> Amy. We got fabulous Amy. And Sporty Amy is here to talk to us a little bit about her work because of her name. It's a little bit of a tidbit of what we're going to get into, but she's really big into coaching, fishing also. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the infamous ice fishing trip that I apparently did not do a great job at. She went to University of Lethbridge the same time as podcast, Amy. But you were probably too busy sporting and I was probably too busy partying. <laughs> yeah, I spent a, a couple nights at Ezzy's and <laughs> the, the Duke. Duke. Yeah. <laughs> We probably bumped past, really. We probably did. We had to have. Before we jump into your interview or sporty Amy, we want to know what is the most small town thing about you? Oh, good question. I've been thinking about this all day. In a sport-related small town note, growing up, I'd always go to small towns in Manitoba to play hockey. And their arenas always had something that was so good on their menu, whether it was typically my favorite was like popcorn chicken or it was a burger or tots or something that that arena had. And you would look forward to it if you knew you were playing in that small town that you got to have it. Uh, that was probably like some of the highlights, some of the memories as a kid. That sounds so good. That's so good. This cold weather and like when you're in a rink, it's always cold. But it, I remember it just always smelled good in a rink. It was like the fry. It was the fryer, you know? Like, yeah, I'm just picturing bad yeah. smells because like I would go to watch my brother play and they'd warm up in the same arena that they were going to play. Mm. Yeah. Like it always smells good. I was like, mm, teenage boy sweat. Yeah. Yeah. And see, these rinks were so cold. You barely sweat. Like they're <laughs> yeah. natural rinks. You barely sweat. And it was like chilly was the smell like in the, the canteen. And it was the moms and the grandmas of the you know kids locally that would make the food. Yes. So it was so good. Actually, yeah. now that you say that in terms of that, when I used to coach different like sporting things and they ran for the tournament, it, mm-hmm. the moms would like have like soup offs. And that was like, yeah. that was my yeah. thrill as the coach. It I was. was. Like, oh, I'll just take one of every soup here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or who made the best like taco in a bag. Mm, taco like, in a bag. So good. Yeah. So good. Classic. Can't go wrong with that. Alex, what about you? Most small town thing about you. Well, I've moved to Victoria and what I'm finding is everyone from back home in Alberta is like connecting me with someone they know that has moved out here. So the other day I went for coffee with my aunt's cousin and she's like my aunt by marriage and her cousin who I've never met before. But my aunt's like, my cousin's out there. Why don't you go for coffee? So that's what I did. And I've met like so many people that way where they're like, I know someone from Alberta. You should go see them. Yeah. So it's like your, your commonality. You're like, yeah, he's not from here. You're not, you should link up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet, Alex. That kind of reminds me of like running into people at the airport. It's like my absolute favorite thing. And it always happens at Calgary airport. I always run into people. That's not my most small town thing. I've decided life over death by getting winter tires. I know it's December and it's late. I'm late to the game because it's been snow on the ground, but when we lived in a small town, it was so convenient to just like, I would go to the tire shop and they'd be like, let's just drop you off, Miss Smith. And they'd drop me off to my like 
school or it was easy enough to like call a colleague to be like oh can you just like drive me here a now that live- me amy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, and sometimes my colleagues At like recess. I, would, I don't want to i want to like i wouldn't try and use the same person but like alex was easy enough to contact and my neighborhood teacher down the hallway and so it was always so convenient and now that I'm in the big old city. I have to think about it so much harder. I'm like, okay, well, I think I can get an Uber from the tire shop to my workplace. Then I'll have to Uber back. Then I can drive my car. And like, I've just have to navigate it so much more. So I miss you, Stetler, for that reason. Everything takes longer, but you need those tires here, especially now. Amy, we need to know your title. What is your job? You're like kind of unique in this field. There's not a lot Tell us more. Yeah. 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 Tell us about your job and like the position specifically. Yeah. So I have a couple of roles at the Canadian Sport Institute. So I do athlete experiences. So I'm the manager of that, which kind of bleeds into my other role, which is a game plan advisor. There are really only about seven of kind of people like me in my role across the country wow. um, because there's about seven institutes or centers across the country. So pretty much each province has has an institute or center for Olympic, Paralympic athletes and national team athletes to train at. And so I kind of manage, I guess, uh, or help Calgary-based athletes, Alberta-based athletes, or athletes who might be living or training in Calgary, uh, like have moved here from other centers to train, to be a part of their training group. My role really is to help athletes alleviate some of the stress and anxiety that they feel outside of their sport so that when they come to their sport, they could train, they could compete without maybe some of the worries that they have outside of their sport. So I work for the Game Plan program, which is a wellness program that we implement nationally. And so there's kind of five pillars of what that looks like, which is career, education, skill building, which is workshops type things. And then we have mental health and networking. So really anything kind of anybody would need to thrive in the outside world type thing. So those are kind of the the main areas or main buckets that we help athletes in to hopefully help them find balance. Because if they find balance or feel balanced, they'll actually perform better. They'll stay in their sport longer and they'll just live happier, healthier lives. And then eventually into that transition out of sport um, looks a little bit healthier if they have a passion or something that they've been chipping away at outside of their sport while they're still training and competing. Wow. That sounds like something anyone could benefit from like had they had access to these services but it's nice that you're honing in on like athletes at a high achieving level how long yeah has this been a thing like I'm not a good person to know this because I know nothing about any sports but is this a newer kind of role so sort of so it's been through many iterations over the years my original boss care button uh, she kind of implemented a lot of the program locally here in Calgary just because, you know, our institute had some of the resources and we believed that athletes would thrive if they had something outside of their sport. And it kind of stemmed from public speaking, athletes needed some part-time work. So public speaking was one way that they could do that and kind of hone in on that and some different workshops that they would provide like sponsorship and branding or social media or some financial planning. So some of those things that athletes might not get in their kind of normal world. And then over the years, it kind of developed into something a little bit bigger. And after 2010, they realized that athletes were going into Vancouver, maybe feeling a little bit 
of anxiety because they knew that once they were finished that race or that competition, that they were retiring and they actually maybe didn't perform as well as they had hoped because they had this kind of hanging over them. And so they really kind of doubled down on that and started the game plan program. And from there, it's kind of just grown because of mental health, because of where kind of the world is going. We're seeing a lot more of that and a lot more coaches and sport organizations are are realizing that if they allow their athletes to pursue something outside of sport, whether it's career, education, a side hustle, that they're actually coming to training or competitions, feeling more well-rounded and balanced, that they're actually going to perform better. That's really interesting. Like I've in the recent really sunk into the CFL and maybe for all the wrong reasons, because I'm just really into sexy male athletes. But I was thinking about CFL players too, and high performance athletes here in Canada. I'm fortunate for them is that they can't make that their full-time career. It doesn't pay all the bills at the end of it. So it's really interesting that you talk about the career side of things for these athletes. Like that's huge because at the end of the day, they still have, you know, a cell phone bill mortgage or rent or in food and all of that that's not all sponsored by an association even though you're going to the olympics or things like that so these athletes being more well-rounded is about sustainability really for for you in the work that you do your skills and traits and things that you're good at your athlete dna how can we then hone those and express that to an employer or use that at your education and what that looks like so that they can use those skills and transfer that into life after sport. I find your role right now, Amy, is so all-encompassing too. It's like you're constantly thinking, and I like that you even pitched on here that like, hey, if you know of anything, like we would love to hear too, where you could use a pro athlete or an athlete who's coming from the Olympics or is, you know, seeking work because it is like an all call. It's like, we want to find the right fit for these athletes so that they can be out there and they can also still do the things that they love the most. And so it's hard to define, right? Like it's hard to even say, this is what I do. Cause I'm sure your days look so scattered from one to the next about what you do and how you help support people. Cause it's such personal work. Yeah. And there's athletes at so many different ages and stages, right? And so we have athletes that are looking to do different things. Some athletes, for example, their career path or education path is through university, through U sport, through NCAA, they get their education, they get scholarships, things yeah. like that, where some sports don't. And it can be harder for those folks to manage both when they don't have an institution that's kind of backing them saying, yeah, you can go on this trip and do these competitions at school and will will help. So some of those paths exist, which are great. And then it's really encouraging those who don't, that you don't have to do traditional education. You can chip away at courses here and there. There's online learning. There's different ways that aren't the traditional route. Athletes want to get experience in the workforce, but they aren't necessarily in the same place long enough to hold down a job or they need to train They have a lot of downtime when they are traveling and are on competing because they go on the hill for an hour or two and then they have nothing to do the rest of the day. So there is opportunity for them to be doing work and they want to do work. It's just finding those companies and those places that want to do it. And then, you know, eventually, hopefully those athletes will come back and actually work for those companies once they're back and retired and and finished from sport or just home for a couple months and they want to work and they want to get money and they want 
really experience at the end of the day Mm -hmm. so that when they choose to retire or when they're forced to retire, whether that's by their team or injury, that they feel excited or good about something once they're done, that actually is going to make that transition a little bit easier. Not saying it's going to be amazing because there are still some struggles with that, but to hopefully help them have something that they can be excited about and look forward to. And I totally understand that. I am dying to ask you this question. And I don't even know if you're allowed to tell us. You were preparing when we had first met. You were for the rescheduled Summer Olympics that occurred in 2021 in Japan. And then following that year, it was a busy time for you because it was 2022 with the Winter Olympics happening in Beijing. And so that was a big year for sport, both going in and out, working with your athletes. But are you allowed to share or name drop some of these athletes that you worked with? Because we were all watching. <laughs> so I don't think so. But what I can say <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is through, through like I can't work personally, but typically yeah. at the Canadian Sport Institute in Calgary, yeah. we are a winter hub, for example. Okay. So we, because we used to have the bobsay skeleton luge track, those three sports typically will come together in Calgary leading up to an, a winter games. Same with women's hockey freestyle skiing, half pipe and slope style, wow. and then ski cross, speed skating. It's like all or to name to name a few. Yeah. So a lot of the winter sports, para hockey, for example, and then a number of the Nordic sports. So biathlon, cross country, para Nordic. And so lots of those athletes, I'll say, live and train in Calgary and and get support. But we are yeah typically kind of a winter hub, but we do have some other summer athletes or athletes who are just from here or going to school here uh, and they need a place to train, we kind of take care of them. And not all of the athletes access this service from game plan, do they? They do have the right to or do most yeah. of them? They have access to it. You kind of got to be ready for it too yeah. and, and want that support. And we understand that. But typically, yeah, any Sport Canada Carded athlete across the country would have access to that in their province. And Kate, for you, because again, I'd never heard of this role before. Was this something that you were really like, ah, this is something I want to do? Or did it? Yeah. How'd you land into it? Yeah. Like, is this something people are like, this is my dream job? Or was this one of those jobs that you're like, I didn't know this existed and I love it? Yeah, it really didn't exist. Really, when I was going through school, I did do a Bachelor of Arts in Kinesiology, which really would likely translate into like a sport management, sport and rec type of degree nowadays but I really just kind of got lucky I did had some good networking and I started off as the athlete services coordinator and then my boss ended up she's now my former boss she actually is now the head of the game plan program so I took over her role so I had been working pretty closely with athletes for about five ish years five six years and then the last about year and a half two years I've been in the uh, game plan advisor role really at the end of the day I'm kind of a, a connector if I know the answer is great if not I'm gonna go find someone that does or find an opportunity and help connect them to someone that might know the answer or might be able to help support them we are lucky in Calgary where we have a wealth of former Olympic Paralympic athletes that have been through a number of the same experiences and maybe our in roles that current athletes are seeking. And so it's, you know, how did you do it? What was it like having those conversations with people who have been through that and help support them? And then it kind of helps them make those decisions or feel better about the decisions that they're making. 
what's a cool career that you've seen an athlete both manage as well as like still train? It's so diverse because they're just normal people as well. Yeah. But a lot or of celebrities, athletes, just regular, old right? People. Yeah, <laughs> right. But a lot of them, you know, a lot of athletes will gravitate towards some of the sales and the business okay. side of things with just the, you know, the athlete DNA and the traits that they have coming from sport. It's kind of easily translated into that area. Hmm. Um, also seeing a lot of athletes will move into things like firefighting and police just with active with them fitness especially in women they're able to pass the fitness testing athletes like to generally be on their feet they don't love to be in kind of desk jobs and they like that team mentality that they've kind of had which i think they get in kind of police and fire yeah really anything under the sun a lot of doctors wow. engineers yeah they're high performing individuals right and so they they seek that in their post-sport careers you're uh, telling me anyone can be an athlete <laughs> yes alex <laughs> i mean not yeah. pro As, not pro gotta, we're all yeah. a little amateur athlete in us put in enough time and you could do anything girl watch me gotta find your sport <laughs> amy and i are like both working on like finding community in these new places that we are. And I mean, you've played sport, you've coached sport, you teach sport, teach other sport people. How does teams and sports and athletes, like how is there a community within that? Now, before you answer that question, Amy, I just want to like rub it in Alex's face that our last two guests have been both from Calgary because that's how badass Calgary is. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> Calgary's just <laughs> shining on this podcast. You know that. <laughs> but this was like my connection. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you that. Point for me and for you. Okay. Anyway, continue. I well, I will say I was always jealous of like the sport kids growing up because they like my all of my friends, like they would be together all weekend on the bus. And like I was just, what was I doing? Playing with robots, like without my friends, and they'd come back and all of this like gossip and everything just happened on the weekends while they were playing. And I mm. never was a part of that. The sense of community that sport naturally brings upon. There's just such a sense of camaraderie that brings you together. And it's something unlike anything else that I can I personally know. connect in the world. But Alex, like, I think if you like, for example, if you were to come to a, a water polo tournament, you know, you're cheering for me. You're still cheering for my team. How do you know I'd be cheering for you? Yeah. You would. Well, that's true. Wait till you see her in her little cap and you'd be like, yes, that's my girl. (laughs) Yeah. My hot pink cap. That's the one. Yeah. But like, it's something like nothing other in the world that I've seen personally. Like sport is such a uniting conformity. That's like a safe community already. You automatically, like I've even, when I coach teams, like volleyball teams, same things. I have some girls who despise each other, but on the court, I'm like, it doesn't exist because now we're collectively coming together. You might have this thing happening beyond and they can put it aside. And so it's something so magical. Yeah. Like I think Alex, I don't hope I can steal your answer. Yes. I think sport is for everybody when they don't think it is, you just got to find a way to make sure that they, they're welcome there too. Cause it's really benefiting you as well. Yeah. You're all you're all correct, right? Love going on the road trips, always been part of teams, you know, moved out to Lethbridge, not knowing one person, but I had, you know, 19 friends the day I moved there because of my team. And so from there, I built my community. I think that's the same with, you know, Olympic, Paralympic athletes, you know, they go home when they're done 
And they don't have that. Like imagine having that for most of your life. And then you now go home to a community where you don't have your teammates, you don't have your support staff and your coaches. And then to try to rebuild that, which is, you know, maybe probably what you two have been going through moving to new cities is how do you find like-minded individuals or people that value the same things or that you want to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. That's daunting to be like, I don't have any friends anymore. You know, it's been 10 years since I've been home or whatever. And that sense of community and that kind of a loss of a community. So your role is more to be ahead of the game. So when they do retire, they have those supports. That's like what your role is. Typically, people have thought that the game plan program was a retirement program, and I don't need that until I'm done, where we believe we try to get athletes as soon as they enter into the system so that they know the programs and services and the benefits available to them so that, again, they can be chipping away at school, at career, at all those types of things. But then athletes do get access to the game plan program for two years after they've been no longer carded. And we do have a number of uh, a couple of retirement programs or courses that they can go through. I'm I'm currently in one right now. It's called Success After Sports. And it's been fantastic. And I'm even learning a ton about myself and some of the tendencies and why I am the way I am from sport and what happens to me of like being told what to do and where to be and how to dress and how to act and what to say to now having, you know, make your own decisions. Is that like identity piece really is what we're trying to do is help athletes have that identity outside of their sport. My question is, I think people don't realize how much mental preparation and coaching athletes have to go through. I think about this all the time because when I watch an Olympian go through the process and they're not successful at this high stake performance, especially in individual sports like, you know, weightlifting or like gymnastics where it's a solo gymnastic entry, like you're stressed as an audience member watching them because you know they've dedicated so much of their life to this. So I think about the mental capacity of like, do you yourself, Amy, support these individuals like as a lead within game plan in a mental space or do you guys have like special psychologists that do that with them yeah so there's mental performance consultants which is under like the performance services side where mine is more mental health support and and there is a bit of like one affects the other a little bit but one is more sport focused and competition focused and one is more like mental health, personal well-being. And the whole wellness side of things is we are really trying to help athletes not have all of their worth wrapped up in one dive, in one race, because it could be a bad day. And your whole career isn't down the drain because right of one performance. And we also talk a lot about, well, what is successful? And some people, if they get silver, it's like, oh, and they should have won gold you know, it's heartbreaking where sometimes an athlete gets bronze and it's like too bad you got bronze. It's like, oh, I should have got like 10th. This was the best performance of my life. When we're reaching out to athletes to congratulate them or to say, hey, tough, you know, loss or race, like we need to have that information to know if it was good or bad. And that is why you are in your job and I am in mine. Because I even said that wrong. I was like, wrapped up in one moment, like the hype. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, I've just fed into this whole thing. But it makes sense for the for viewers, right? Like you're just like and, holding your breath. Like, <gasps> yep. 
And most viewers don't see the rest. They don't see yeah. all the other things that have gone into that athlete. Is yes. there a game plan for regular Joes? Like, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. I was like, this sounds beneficial for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's called therapy. Or it's for like everyone. <laughs> resource centers at your university, right? Like, I think there's a lot more out there for folks if you're looking for it. Are you allowed to share an inspiring story that you hold on to that you've worked with maybe somebody or if it's been inspiring for you in the world of sport and the world of game plan? There have been a number of athletes who have been training and competing and they've maybe felt like they were falling behind their peers and they didn't have enough classes and things like that. And so they'd actually taken a step back from sport or they just didn't love it anymore. They didn't have that passion. They worked with the game plan advisor and they kind of understood that I can do both or, hey, this is making me feel more balanced and better about myself. And they'll actually come back to sport and compete and they actually do better. So a number of scenarios where that happens. And I think sport organizations have seen that happen. And so they're like, well, how can I let my athlete do all these things without leaving. There were times not that long ago where, nope, you can't have a job. You can't go to school. Where now sports are saying, oh, we actually are encouraging this because some of the research is showing that if we let athletes do this, they're going to be better for us. They're going to stay in our sports system longer and they're going to be happier. And I'm going to have maybe less problems with them because they're just going to be happier, which is why I think we're seeing so much growth in this space. That's a good attest to your program. If anything, we should share this with them because you just highlighted how effective it is. It's not like I retired now what? It's like I'm both and. I'm an mm-hmm. athlete and I've been working toward And it. I'm a doctor, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. amazing. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, you're not behind. Everyone's no. at different places all exactly. the time. So, but yeah. that was the the feeling that they had, I think, was feeling behind. And that's 100% where that mental coaching is. Absolutely. I mean, and that happens in in lots of things too. Yeah. Like people feel behind all the time. Why do you think I'm in Victoria? I was just going to say, I was like, (laughs) I'm like a classic example as well. People are always like, what's happening with this one? She's just like not doing anything else like the rest of them. And I'm like, no. (laughs) But I'm 30 and unemployed in the most expensive city in Canada. (laughs) Love it. Here we are. My question's going to throw a wrench in the plans because we didn't tell you about it, but it's my favorite get to know you question. And it's, if you could turn anything into Olympic, a sport, what would you have a good chance at meddling at? It doesn't need to be sport related. We we talk about this a lot. (laughs) Maybe one would be fishing. Yes. Or beer pong. Beer (laughs) pong. I'm I'm quite actually good at beer pong. Okay. And is beer pong like, uh, like a doubles Olympic sport? You could do both probably. Good medal for each team event, even. Who knows? I am gonna medal in, and I've already said this, and I know it's true, for sitting in a pool of water, hot, cold, whatever. I'm basically a mermaid. I have mermaid hair today, everyone. So yeah, I'm a mermaid. I'll be in a pool of water. Amy and water is like a kid. You're like, it's time to go home. You need to eat something. Like, let's go. And she's still just like swimming. Yeah. (laughs) What's yours, Alex? Oh, I just love flags. I love country flags. If you could flashcard all the flags of the world to me, I think I'd get bronze. 
I have flashcards yeah. of all of the countries and I just go through them. But yeah, my, my biggest competitor is seven years of age. I taught him and I'll see you at the Olympics. No name because I probably can't name him. But if you know, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. You know him. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for joining yeah, us, thanks, guys. We loved having you. And I think your message and the work that Game Plan is doing for athletes out there is so wholesome and helpful. And is also a good reminder for all of us to tap into the resources around us to best balance our lives as well. Yeah. And it's tough out there. Like there's so much pulling on us to do, you know, whether it's skincare, go to the gym, work. I think you just got to go easy on ourselves and winning isn't always black and white. You got to find the small wins each day. So that's the good stuff. That's what we try to remind our athletes like, okay, yeah, medals is great. And that's winning. But what's the day to day wins that you get and remind yourself of those. After show. We just really want to thank Amy for being on the show. Something I want to say, and my takeaway is that Amy didn't get to like pump her own tires enough. I think she does awesome in her job. She's really dynamic and has to use a lot of different skills to support all of these athletes. And I know she's good at what she does. And I know that if I was an athlete, which we know I would never be. Hey, um, never too late, Alex. Don't never too late. (laughs) Yeah. I would need more women in sport. Well, anyway, that's not my journey, but I just know that I'd be happy to have her in my court. And so I just really want to say thank you for having like her knowledge and time on our show. We're always so appreciative of all our guests who can take the time and energy and spend hours with us. So we really appreciate you, Amy. Um, I know um, you had a story you wanted to share. Yeah, I do. My first couple of years of teaching was the most magical coaching experience I'd ever had. I love coaching. I love giving back to the students. It's such a rewarding job. And if you do have the time and energy, go for it. It's one of the most fabulous ways to give back to your communities. I remember my first couple years into teaching, they didn't have enough boys to run a boys volleyball team. They were grade four and five and it's first time on a team. And so they were so excited. The jerseys never fit them. They would just be these loose bags <laughs> draping over them. And they were so cute, but we got creamed. And then the second year, it got a little bit better because we had worked so hard. By the time I had entered my fourth year with this team, nobody wanted to play them. They were killer. And I remember there was this one point, I get shivers every time I think about it. I said to them in this big, their final finale tournament, we were close to the end. And I said, remember this moment, next year we're coming back and we're going to win it. And it was the Kawajaha banner. And that exact time next year, we did just that. They came right back. And like, I get shivers just saying that again, because it was such a building block moment. And that sport brought these kids together so much and they're forever bound together because of it. I think sport has such a magical impact on people in so many great ways. And that was my story. (laughs) It's a real uh, Ted Lasso moment. It is honestly, Alex. (laughs) Well, I guess that's it for after show. Yeah. All right. Jar of questions. All right. Ames, what was your favorite trend or thing to come out of 2022 okay i have two that i'm thinking about (gasps) i'm sorry only one i have two also okay you're like only one no you know i love a dramatic brow love them dark like them full in 2022 brow lamination came full effect brow lamination is where they are glued like you have the 
clear glue and they you pull them straight up it looks did you just mansplain brown and just in case someone didn't know because i don't know if everyone knows but like as an asian eyebrow grower my eyebrow hairs grow straight and it's very like it's something and the brow lamination process just makes me look like i have a full brow and i'm in love with it second one is candlesticks are back in and at first i was like weird like why and now i have candlesticks at my house and they're everything i love them it romanticizes the candle scene so much yes welcome to the 90s but also here for it again <laughs> those are my two two trends i would not have guessed that you wouldn't have guessed eyebrows especially not the tall candlesticks i wouldn't have guessed yeah, the tall candlesticks is a, that was i was a surprise by me too okay tell me your fads that you loved Okay, really, really into platform shoes being back. Yes. I yes. Yes. just freaking love it. And now even Converse is getting on that train. And no, I'm not on the Converse train, but yeah. Oh, I've always been on the Converse train. You have, yeah. Have two pairs of platform Converse and I've back to living my best life now that I have that in my life again. I'm all over that scene. And you're just um, like that much taller too. You're like, I know exactly. As a short girl, love platform shoes because they, they, you make, you're taller exactly, but yeah. they're not the heels. They're comfortable. Yes. I think the mo- pop culture thing that I'm going to remember the most, and we're probably going to get tired of hearing about in like the, oh what's God, the biggest so thing to come out of 2022. I think lots of people could guess this. The Will Smith <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I remember. <laughs> it's very iconic. And we will remember this for years to come. It will. Do you remember where we were when years. it happened? Wait a second. No. We were Mexico? in Mexico. We were in Mexico and we spent days dissecting that. Yes. We watched footage. We talked about it. We weren't really on our phones in Mexico. Like we were just no. living our best lives. So then we would get together for dinners and just unpack it. It was a lot. We're just going to hear about it for years to come. Thank you for bringing that up because I was like, if you weren't going to say it, I was like, oh no, there's one more iconic thing we need to talk about. It was pretty big. And the last thing I do want to say is my favorite way to wrap up a year is looking Mm. up Andy Wu. He does amazing mashups of the songs from the year. And like, we're talking like 130 songs. I can't wait. Me neither. The vibes are always immaculate. Oh, it's going to be such a jam. So we turn it to you. Listeners, tell us what's something iconic to come out of 2022. Can't wait to hear it. This podcast is edited by myself, Avery Subbers, and music is mixed by Moons Over Mars. 